What if the speed of light was 30 miles an hour? What if Earth had two suns? Which cereal mascot would win in a what fight? What if everyone lived underground? What if, it rained what if money grew what on if trees? What if pigs could fly? I don't know if that would actually happen. It's much easier to store a unicycle than to store a horse. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Absurd Hypotheticals, the show we overthink dumb questions so you don't have to. I'm your host, Marcus Lehner, and I'm joined here today by Chris Yee and Ben Storms. Say hi, guys. Hey, I'm Chris. Hey, I'm Ben. Ben, is this, is today's question your favoritest one we've ever done on the podcast? It's up there. It is really up there. For those of you who don't know, Ben has a huge interest in Norse mythology. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed my dabble into it. It is absolutely buck wild. And today's question that we're answering is, what if Norse myths were real? Man, that is really hard to say. <laughs> Norse mythology, not a problem. Norse myths, not easy. I had yeah. this. <laughs> People don't know because I cut it out in the last episode, but when you were teasing this episode, <laughs> you did like five takes of it. I couldn't say it. <laughs> I used the first take. <laughs> nice. Yeah, me messing it up just now was the actually probably better than all the previous times i tried to say it at the end of the last episode i don't think it's that hard to say norse myths it's the the th at the end myths is just hard in and of itself you didn't have yeah. trouble when you were doing greek myths well my- myths is a hard word to say you have to really like hit that ths and the problem is when you say norse first your mouth is just like all out of whack i just found it funny because after every take you would like i didn't hear any problems with it you just go norse myths Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i just gotta i just got a better ear for it maybe <laughs> i got a good ear for my own failure yeah no in our, in our parameters for the for our show notes it just says we may pronounce things wrong um <laughs> myths isn't really what we att- we meant we meant more like the names of things yeah there's a lot of strange norse words i'm seeing for the very first time in names some of them are pronounced weird some of them got umlauts where i don't think there should be umlauts and uh <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do my best. Our best. We're all going to do our best. And then if we do something wrong, we're probably just going to run with it. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully we don't get one that we mentioned like 75 times pronounced wrong, because that will be <laughs> very frustrating for some people. But that's what you get. This is uh, <laughs> this is where we're at. We're, we're here and we're live. So it's going to be as good as it gets. So yeah, so this this is kind of a, uh, a grab-up episode. We all kind of covered a different aspect of Norse mythology and kind of ran with that concept through an answer. Chris, why don't you get us started? What did you look at? Yeah, so I thought the most logical place to start was at the beginning with the creation stories, and then I would kind of just see where that took me. So in Norse mythology, the creation story, it starts with like just a lot of emptiness, and then there are two realms, basically, that form. There's Niflheim, which is like the cold and icy realm, and then Muselheim. I think that's how you pronounce it. There's a P in there that I'm not pronouncing, <laughs> but I think it's pronounced <laughs> Muselheim. Uh, it's M-U-S-P-E-L-Heim. Oh, Mooseful. You just got to pronounce all that as an Moose, F. Moose, Mooseful. Mooseful? As an F? P-H is an F sound. No, it's not a P-H. <laughs> oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, as, as an F, much like the gray we get for our pronunciation of Norse words. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Muselheim. I'm going to say it like that, is like the hot and fiery realm. So it was like hot and cold. And Niflheim and Muselheim, they kind of like started to get closer and closer to each other. And eventually Muselheim started melting Niflheim. And from the ice, 
from the melting ice, a giant formed named Ymir. He's the first of the Jotuns. The Jotuns are just the giants. And Ymir, what happened to the Ymir? He's, he fell asleep, and from the sweat from under his arms grew two more giants, and then from his legs grew a third giant. So there are four giants. And also from the ice came like a, a cow named <laughs> yeah it's very random but there's a cow in the ice and the ice melted you and never, you never know what noun is coming next <laughs> <laughs> and the cow is named odumbla i think odum odumbla i don't know and basically the role of this cow is to feed these four giants and then the cow itself fed herself by like licking salty blocks of ice and eventually she licked a block of ice for three days and it freed Buri, which is the first god. It freed him. Buri had a son named Bor, who he had with his wife, Besla. And then Bor and Besla, I guess the son had a wife, uh, had a kid with his mom, which is typical for mythology, I guess. But their three sons are Odin, who is famous, uh, Vili and V. Odin, I don't think the other famous, ones are as famous. Is a very, it's a very funny statement. <laughs> he is famous. He's more famous than the others. I don't know why. I guess the others didn't do cool things. Yeah, he has a whole day of the week named after him. What, what happened to the? What happened to the non-Odin? I thought Odin was just the big, the big boss on top. What? What are you it's, asking about? <laughs> it's complicated. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's what I figured. The just answer like was. any other myth. But the thing with these three sons is that they were jealous of the giants because the giants outnumbered the gods. So their solution to this was to kill Ymir, the first giant. And when they did that, uh, Ymir's blood drowned all of the other giants except for two of them. And those two would eventually go to repopulate the giants. But with Ymir dead, they used his remains to create the world. So his his blood became the oceans, rivers, and lakes. His flesh became the land, his bones became mountains, his teeth became rocks, his hair became grass and trees, his skull became the sky, his brain became the clouds, and his eyelash I didn't understand this one exactly, but his eyelashes became Midgard, which I thought was just the Earth realm, so I don't know what that means. But either way, his eyelashes became Midgard, and that is how the Earth was formed. And the creation myth kind of goes further than that but uh the rest of it is a little irrelevant to what i wanted to focus on because the most interesting part of that story to me was the cow (laughs) same (laughs) yeah i wanted to focus on this cow odumbla so like as i said the cow's role was to uh to feed these three giants or these four giants and like in pictures and stuff it's shown that this cow produces like four rivers of milk uh, one from each other and it's basically to feed and sustain these four giants i want to figure out how much milk this would actually be (laughs) 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 in order to keep these giants alive so i started with uh looking up how much milk newborn babies need because these giants are basically newborns they're just really big but like this is their birth i guess So a newborn baby drinks about three ounces of milk every three hours. And the average newborn baby weighs about seven pounds. Now, for the giants, 
the amount of milk that they require is going to be based on their mass, basically. So how big are these giants? I went through a few stories. I, it was There's not a lot of references to their size in the stories, but there is one story where they sort of reference it a little bit. It's the story of Utgard Loki. So his name's Utgard Loki, but he's not really related to the the famous Loki. <laughs> he's a giant. Utgard Loki actually means Loki of the Outland, so it's just like a way to distinguish him from the other Loki, I guess. But yeah, his name is also Loki. And it makes it confusing because Loki, the famous Loki, is also part of the story. Oh, good. Well, yeah. we just got to just keep it, keep things straight. Yeah. <laughs> but the story was that Thor and Loki, the famous Loki, they were seeking the castle of Utgard. I don't necessarily know for what, but they were looking for it. And the castle of Utgard is is ruled by Arkard Loki. So on their way, they take shelter in what seems like a cave-like building. And then overnight, they experience earthquakes while they're sleeping. And the next morning, they realize that the building isn't actually a building. It's not a cave or a building. It's actually the empty glove of a giant named Scrymere. And that's the relevant part of the story for me. I'm going to continue the story because it's kind of an interesting story. So when they discover that this is a giant, Thor attempts to kill the get the giant by like hitting him in the head, and the giant's just like doesn't feel it at all. He's just like, oh, there's no acorn fall on my head or something, and this kind of like discourages Thor. And Skrymir warns Thor and Loki that uh, Utgard Loki is more powerful than any of them, and he like warns them about that, and then he just gets up and leaves. I'm sure they heed that warning and nothing else happens. <laughs> <laughs> nope. They ignore the warning. They find the castle and confront Utgard Loki. And Utgard Loki says that they're not allowed to stay unless they... They're not allowed to stay in the castle unless they perform a feat. So Loki challenges someone to like an eating competition. Someone named Logi. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is... I've decided Norse mythology is just an early D&D campaign. <laughs> A lot of it really comes across that way. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm going to have a, uh, uh, I'll do an eating competition. Okay. A guy shows up. He looks just like you, but really fat. His name is Logie. Logie. <laughs> <laughs> so he, uh, he competes with the eating with Logie and he loses. There's like a servant that they have with them too. That also challenges to someone to like a running competition. And he also loses. And then Thor tries a drinking competition where he drinks water from a horn. I think it's water. It might not be. But he drinks something from a horn and he, only like a tiny bit goes down from the horn from like the amount that he drinks and he loses. He also tries to lift a cat but when he tries to do this the cat's back arches like it just keeps on arching up and then he's only able to lift one paw of the cat off of the ground. Freaking cats, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, and then the third thing that Thor tries to do is just he challenges someone to a fight. And Utgard Loki pairs him up with like an old lady. And he loses the fight to the old lady. And he's just like discouraged. <laughs> Thor is absolutely the D&D player who's like, oh, no, 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 no I got another idea. Let me try the, let me try, let me try this one instead. <laughs> oh, I did bad on my roll. Let me try. Let me try this one. <laughs> yeah. So even though they lost the challenges, Utgard Loki still lets them stay anyway for some reason. I don't know why he made them go through that, but 
he shows him hospitality. And then the next day, he actually reveals the truth of what happened because what happened is... So he he says he hopes that none of them ever come back because Thor is actually way too strong and way stronger than he expected. And that he is a prankster who casts delusions. And um, he was actually Skrymir, that other giant that they ran into. And when Thor tried to kill him, he actually missed. And um, like the mist blow like blew a a valley into like a mountain or something. And if it did hit him, it would have killed him. But just from the illusion, he, he thought he hit him. Also, during the drinking competition, when he was drinking from the horn, the horn was actually connected to the ocean. And when the wa- when the level lowered a little bit, he actually lowered the ocean level and like revealed beaches and stuff. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that kind of thing. <laughs> and then the cat that he tried to lift up was actually... Your Mungander, who which is the world serpent. It wasn't actually a cat. And the yeah, world like decidedly not a cat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The world serpent, if you don't know what it is, is basically a serpent that's long enough to wrap around the earth and like bite its own tail. So it's just like a giant, giant serpent. And everyone was like completely surprised that he was able to even lift one of the paws off the ground, because it's a giant serpent. And then I guess the old lady that he was fighting was old age itself. And they said there's no one old age can bring down or can't bring down. So but he like actually put up a fight, like a decent fight with old age, which was very impressive. So this is really just like a story to show how strong Thor is and let him flex on his abilities. But the relevant part of that story was the cave thing. So his glove was like a cave. I started to look up like cave sizes. I couldn't really find any. And then I started to look up tunnel sizes and found that like his wrist would maybe be around like 15 feet in diameter. And from there, I started to like try to figure out how tall he would be based on the proportions of a normal person. But then I started to think like Ymir and Skrymir, uh, they're both like considerably different sizes. Ymir is actually way bigger. Because his corpse made the world. <laughs> <laughs> it implies he's a little bigger. Yeah. So in order to figure out how big Ymir is, um, I looked at the most measurable of the things that they used to make the world, which was his blood, I think, because they said that the blood made this, this the oceans. So the ocean has 321 million cubic miles of blood slash water. <laughs> <laughs> the ocean is not made of blood, but... In this case, it is, I guess. And a person, assuming that Ymir is like has generally humanoid proportions and like properties, a person's blood weighs approximately ten percent of their body weight, which means that Ymir would weigh forty-nine sextillion pounds. Sextillion is a big number. Now, based on that, and based on like the amount of milk that a baby would need to drink, Ymir would need to drink. 700 quintillion pounds of milk every hour which is a lot again (laughs) yeah (laughs) like the numbers are so wildly out of scale and that was just from one utter because this is just one of the giants there are four of them so multiply that by four and i looked up the top 136 river discharges just to compare and um, it was like nowhere even close. I had to add all of them up together. All of them together 
is around 42 million cubic feet per second. That is nowhere close to the milk produced, which is like 12 quadrillion uh, cubic feet per second. So um, there's going to be a lot of milk is my conclusion. (laughs) 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 And assuming that Ymir is dead because he's the world now and there aren't any giants to to consume this milk. Yeah, we're going to drown in milk. We're probably going to try to to kill this cow (laughs) so that we don't drown. But if we don't, we're going to drown in milk. That's my conclusion. Ben, what did you do? (laughs) Amazing. So I looked at a a specific myth as well, um, which the one I've heard referred to as the creation of Thor's hammer. That's a little reductive. There's other things that are made too, but that's a good enough, you know, that's the one people know about is Mjolnir Thor's hammer. So we'll start with that. Basically, the idea is Loki was fooling around like Loki does and cut off Sif, who is uh, Thor's wife. He cut off her hair. I don't know. He wanted to. Who knows? There was not really a reason given. He was just kind of playing a prank. I don't know. Thor found out, got very angry, and basically threatened to just break every bone in Loki's body. And Loki convinced him to to let him go to Svartalfheim, which is the home of the dwarves, and see if they could craft a new head of hair for Sif. Thor said, okay, fine, sure, this is your one chance, you know, go try it. So Loki goes to see the dwarves, and uh, the sons of the dwarf Hivaldi uh, made him three things, actually, not even just the head of hair. So he made a new head of hair, so good. Also, uh, Skidbladnir, which is the best of all ships. It always has a favorable wind and can be pulled up and put into your pocket. Hey, don't you hate getting upsold with all the fancy new gadgets when you're just trying to buy a Seriously, new set of hair? Right? Like, it's all, all I wanted was hair. What salesman is this door for? It's like, hi, I'd like a wig, please. And he's like, how about a boat? Right. <laughs> and also Gungnir, which is the deadliest of all spears. Uh, it's actually the one, I believe it's the one that Odin uses, basically, in like every myth where Odin has a weapon. So... Loki's like, okay, cool, I got the hair and also some more party favors. But Loki being Loki was like, let me still, you know, see what else I can get out of this. And went to this other pair of brothers, these dwarf brothers, uh, Broker and Sendry, and taught them and basically just said that like, hey, there is no way that you guys could make three things as cool as these three things those guys made for me. (laughs) And he actually made a bet. He bet on his he bet his head on their inability to make three things as cool as those three things. So they started working, and Loki turned into a fly and went and started like buying them as they were working and trying to distract them and make them, you know, mess up. But they made three more things. So they made a living boar with golden hair, which is uh Gulenbursti. 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 <laughs> Who gives off gives off light in the dark and can run better than any horse, even through water or air? Well, it's not hard to run better than a horse through air. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, <laughs> y- you get the idea. Uh, he also made a magnificent ring, uh, Dropnir, which is just this beautiful ring, this golden ring that on every ninth night, eight more rings, golden rings of the same weight, dripped out of it, uh, and then. Finally, he made Mjolnir's Thor's hammer. You've heard about it. He can throw it and it comes back and it's cool. Yeah. All right. That one. You get the idea on that one already. And as much as Loki tried, he kept, you know, flying around as a fly and biting them. They just kept making cool shit because they're dwarves and that's what they do. I don't know. 
So then basically all three of them leave and go back to the Halls of the Gods. He sort of passes out the gifts and the gods judge it. And they basically agreed that, yeah, the stuff from from uh, Broker and Sindri was cooler than the other stuff. So Loki does, in fact, owe them his head. And the dwarves get super excited about this because Loki's just really annoying. And I think everyone kind of constantly wants to kill him in Norse myths, um, which fair. And so they started coming at him with knives. And he pointed out that he had promised them his head but not his neck, because that's just like the Lokiest move you can possibly do is say, haha, no, actually, you can't cut my head off. And they were annoyed, but they contented themselves by just sewing his mouth shut and then leaving. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's the myth. That's the whole story. I don't really know what the takeaway is here, <laughs> but the gods got some cool stuff and Loki got his mouth shut. the end of a shut. sitcom episode. It, it really is. This is a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> <laughs> That was really bad. God, Loki. All right, is Loki George? I feel like Loki <laughs> is George on Seinfeld. Yeah, probably. If George was also Kramer. <laughs> yes, that yeah, is exactly it. Say it. Yeah, there's definitely some Kramer in there. He's not if Kramer is George, was George. Is he? Is if George was Kramer? I don't know why it doesn't work the other way. No, but you're you're brain. right. It has to be primary George with also some Kramer, not not the other way around. Yeah. Anyway, lots of cool stuff in that myth, but I really want to talk about uh, Dropnir, that ring, because mostly things that keep increasing are just a fun thing we do on the show that we don't get to do enough. So I wanted to figure out if you actually had Dropnir, what's that really get you? So I had to kind of guess at how much the ring would weigh, because that's kind of my goal here is really to figure out like how much gold you're getting every nine days. The high end number I was seeing for like a men's gold wedding band was about nine grams, and I figure if this is a ring that was forged by dwarves and given to Odin, like a high-end wedding band is probably like the minimum. So I'll use nine grams. I'll just go with that. At nine grams, we're getting about 72 grams of gold every nine days. Right now, the price of gold, as we're recording this, is around $57 a gram. That's about four grand every nine days of gold, which isn't bad. Uh, if you annualize it, that gives you a, a gold ring salary of about $166,000 which puts you in the 85th percentile of annual income in the U.S. So congrats on that. You can retire and just have rings, I guess. With all the power of the gods, we have earned a modest income in America. It's, it's, <laughs> it's more than modest. It's a pretty it respectable very, yeah, it's income. Very it's good, yeah. And that's all fine and well. But when I was actually reading this, because it was kind of late at night as I was doing my research, I misread what it did. And I thought it made an exact copy of itself, as in the number of rings was going to increase exponentially because each of those rings would also make eight more rings every nine days. And I realized very quickly that that wasn't actually what it meant because that's stupid. But we're also a podcast about absurd hypotheticals. So like, what are we going to, what's going to happen if we do actually do that? <laughs> so what if I did misread, if, what if I didn't misread this is the new hypothetical? No, what if, what if I did misread it and didn't realize it, basically? <laughs> What if I was making a retraction next episode after doing this as my full answer? <laughs> so Dropnir 2.0 are saying that every nine days it makes eight new Dropnirs, that every nine days will also make eight new Dropnirs, and so on ad infinitum. 18 days in, you're feeling pretty good. You have 81 rings. They weigh about, thir it's about 13 pounds of gold, worth around $41,000. You're feeling great. It's been like not even, it's like a half a month and you're, you know, 41 grand. Nine days later, you have 729 rings. They weigh 115 pounds. You're getting a little concerned about that part. But they're also worth $375,000. And that's very nice. That's great. 
nine more days, it is about 6,500 rings. Yeah, worth over $3 million. Weighing quite a bit. Weighing quite a bit. About 130 pounds. That's like a good, you know, a good sized, you know, smallish person. Um, once again, getting a little concerned, but doing okay. We're going to skip ahead slightly and get to, uh, oh God, where'd that number go? Oh no. Oh no. It's, 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 I left it too long. It's turned to eight new numbers. It has. Oh, there it is. It is actually 18 weeks in, 126 days. You have two point. Oh God. Why didn't I put commas in this? Hold on. <laughs> this is me being dumb and not putting commas in my spreadsheet. You have... 22 uh, million, billion, trillion, quintillion <laughs> rings. <laughs> the weight of them in metric tons is more than the weight of gold we have conceivably had in the planet. And you've come to realize that although if you could cash it out, it would be worth, you know, more money than it is on the planet. You would also flood the market with gold and it would be pretty much impossible to do anything with. And you've realized you may have waited too long. Uh, and also, if you sell a single one, they will also start getting a bunch more rings and will no longer need to buy gold from you, and you have a problem. But this isn't actually that much of a problem for that long, because you see, at 180 days, which is a little under 26 weeks in, something fun happens, and the percentage of the Earth's mass that you now have in gold uh, starts registering. It is at 100, or sorry, 200 thousandths of the Earth's mass you now have in gold. I have not considered, I try to figure out the volume of, of what you would need to actually store this. I gave up on that pretty quickly because it was not going well. <laughs> and in fact, once you reach 36 weeks in, so, you know, just, uh, you know, three months in, sorry, six months in, it's in fact 78% of the mass of the earth in gold. And I'm pretty sure the earth has at the very least, like shifted its center of gravity and is now no longer spinning on its axis and possibly just life on earth has ended. If it hasn't yet, it definitely ends nine days later when suddenly there's 709% of the mass of earth and gold on the yeah, planet. Yeah, all we just wait a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so at that point, I'm relatively certain that uh, life on, on earth has ended. And at that point, I mean, you could stop there, but also if you wait another about a month, around 42 and a half weeks in, the mass of the gold that's now surrounding Earth is about 10% more than the mass of the sun. And I don't think anything good happens from that. Probably several bad things happen from that. <laughs> At least one bad thing. <laughs> At has least to one bad thing, um, which is that I'm pretty sure the solar system don't orbit so well anymore <laughs> in general. And it kind of goes on from there to the point that I'm pretty sure eventually Earth is a black hole that has a bunch of gold in the middle because the numbers get even stupider from there. So the answer is probably within a year because at the round of the year mark, it is, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, about four million percentage of the mass of the sun. Oh, sorry, 4.8 million. That's an eight, not a zero. So around a year in, I'm pretty sure like the universe is destroyed. Roughly, or if not, within a couple weeks after that, like it's not gonna, it's gonna be bad. So, long story short, if you get drop near, hope it's the one that's actually the way it works, not the one that I misread it as. Um, because <laughs> yeah, you don't get the prototype one, <laughs> yeah, you you will get more money, but also everything will die inside of like, more money, more six problems, months. yeah. <laughs> so, there you go. 
Uh, Marcus, what would you do? Um, well, speaking of ending the world a whole bunch, one key issue with all these uh, Norse myths being real is that the Norse myths, which I've written so many times in my notes, includes uh, an inevitable apocalypse. In this case, Ragnarok. So it's a little bit different than Thor Ragnarok, the movie, which I did not rewatch. I was thinking about watching it again just to be like, hmm, what's up? Maybe it'll relate. Didn't bother. What about God of War Ragnarok? Yeah, I didn't play God of War. So I'm, I'm already behind on my basic, you know, <laughs> plebeian level understanding of Norse mythology. But before I dive into all the details of Ragnarok that I have, uh, I'll preface it with the caveat that there are lots of contradictory stories about the details of Ragnarok, and it depends kind of what epic or poem or tale that you're referencing and how you're interpreting it. That said, I'm mostly using a compilation of information that was presented at norsemythology.org. This is my main point of reference, mostly because I was absolutely sold by their excellent tagline splashed like all over the website of Norse mythology for smart people. <laughs> <laughs> so if my version of Ragnarok isn't for you, well, I guess I know what that implies. <laughs> anyway, caveat aside, Ragnarok comes from the old Norse word Ragnarok, which is just Ragnarok spelled with an umlaut over the O. It roughly translates to the fate of the gods, since it is believed that Ragnarok will be an apocalypse for both men and the gods themselves. So it's kind of like an apocalypse plus here. And so the question I kind of set out to answer is, now that we're kind of in modern times, uh, we, we we have a lot more things that we know about and can do compared to these ancient peoples. So now that we're in modern times, can we survive Ragnarok? And I kind of set this up where... I won't have a full conclusion at the end, but I think the way we w- I want to do this is you both listen at home and Chris and Ben, play along with me. I'm going to go through how Ragnarok happens, according to NorthMythology.org, and you play along, and as I'm going through it, try to plan for how we might survive this and see where it falls off the rails. So let's start off with Ragnarok Phase 1, the Fumbulvinta. Or the Great Winter. It is basically just as described. It's a big old winter. The winter will last as long as three normal winters, without any summers in between. As a result, they predict that a desperate humankind will inevitably wage war on each other as they fight over food and resources, and, you know, everyone's slowly dying because it's so goddamn cold outside. This is kind of a softball to start with. I think it's generally pretty manageable, especially if we know it's coming, because it has been prophesized. We've had uh, an episode about it pretty recently. Yeah, we literally just did an episode about surviving an ice age, um, which is way longer than three seasons of winter. But that's kind of the start. That's like really more like the the premonition, the omen of things to come. So you start off with the Great Winter, moving on to Ragnarok Phase 2, which I have dubbed, hey, uh, we kind of needed that. There's no real order for these events that I could find, so I'm assuming they're kind of just happening all at the same time. First up, we got some wolves. We have Skull, aka the one who mocks and Hati, the one who hates, are a pair of wolves who are eternally chasing the sun and the moon across the sky. At Ragnarok, they finally catch them and proceed to said devour them. This is not ideal, and I don't couldn't think of really any real way of preventing it from happening. Like, if a wolf is big enough to devour the sun, there's not much we're going to be able to do with, to mess with it. Plus, it's going to be really, really far away, you know, over by the sun. The moon wolf might actually be at a scale we could try, like, I don't know, like some space missiles or something. But rather than go deep on that, I decided I didn't really care that much about having a moon. It's kind of a more longer-term problem anyway. 
Also, in addition to the sun and moon, the stars are also supposed to disappear at this point, but it does not mention if that was also wolves. So we got wolves eats the sun, wolf eats the moon, stars disappear. Doesn't say if that's wolves, but what is mentioned is that the great tree Yggdras Yggdrasil, which is a tree that supposedly holds the cosmos together, is supposed to tremble, which will result in literally every tree falling down, and also <laughs> the mountains. <laughs> the mountains falling down? How does a mountain fall down? That's kind of was my question with it, too. <laughs> I, I, I literally have a question mark. I just wrote, and also the mountains, <laughs> but that's what it says. So literally every tree falling down. And next up in this phase is also, uh, who, who we mentioned before, Jormungand, the world serpent. He lives at the bottom of the sea, um, but he doesn't want to miss this party. Uh, he is going to rise up from the depths, and because he is so big and nursy, um, he will be spilling the oceans over all of the land, which... I will say, I feel like this would also do a pretty good job of knocking down all the trees, so Jormi is kind of creeping a bit on Yggdrasil's space. I mean, it's kind of rude. Like, let the tree god thing do the tree stuff, at least. Did like, you just call him Jormi? <laughs> Jormi, yeah, Jormi. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, let, let the tree god do the tree god stuff, and Jormi stay in your lane. <laughs> so that's all happening. That's phase two. Phase three, pirate Loki. The shaking of the world will release the moorings of Nagelfar, a.k.a. the Nail Ship. It's called the Nail Ship because it is literally made up of fingernails and toenails of dead men and women. Its crew is made up of an army of giants, and it is captained by none other than Loki himself. And since Dromagans so carefully flooded all the land with water, uh, it's going to have a good time sailing around causing murder and general mayhem. So that happens. That's phase three. Phase four, Fenrir. Uh, we got another wolf here, the most famous wolf of them all, because I hadn't heard of the other ones before. But Fenrir is the son of Loki and the giantess Angerboda. Even though it's the son of a god and a giant, it is still a wolf. He was tricked into chains by the gods, but of course it's Ragnarok time, so he, this is the point where he's also going to break free and run across the world. What Fenrir does is he starts running around the world with his lower jaw on the ground and his upper jaw at the top of the sky, devouring everything in his path. Which is walking with his mouth open? Yeah, that's 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 the image. <laughs> <laughs> he could be running, but yes, jaw on the ground, upper jaw at the top of the sky, and just like goes and devours everything. But not only is he devouring the land and sky, by devouring the sky, um, he's also splitting the air, opening up kind of the, the dome of the sky, and this opens up the uh, the way for the fire giants of Muspelheim. So they're, they're going to get in on the actions, led by their leader, Sirt, who carries around a big old flaming fire sword that is brighter than the sun. Which is good, because our sun is gone. <laughs> they got eaten by a wolf. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> we can see again. Yay! Thanks, Sirt. Yeah, so they're gonna march over. They're gonna march over to Asgard to go fight the gods. And also, while all while Fenrir's going about his way, splitting up the sky, destroying the land, um, Jormungand's also still going around, and he's just literally just shooting venom everywhere, poisoning the land, sea, and the air. Phase five, the gods finally do some stuff. Finally, there's some good news. The gods decide it is time to step in uh, and fight against all this nonsense that is happening. And but by decide to step in. Like, Odin consults, like, an oracle who's like, yeah, you should do some stuff. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and unfortunately, and spoiler alert here, they're prophesized to lose this big battle that they're kind of joining in. So they ultimately lose. But let me let me break it down a little bit. The main fight at the start is 
Odin against Fenrir. Fenrir is kind of like the big bad. Like there's there's lots of bads everywhere. There, I mean, there's lots of also big bads, I guess you could call them. But Odin goes up against Fenrir. Odin calls upon the, oh boy, um, Aenryar um, <laughs> to, <laughs> to fight by his side. Uh, the Aenryar are the warrior spirits who live in Valhalla. Basically, when the uh, Viking warriors die, and if they were good and died in the glory of battle, they got a 50-50 shot of going to Valhalla. The other half are go with the goddess Freya into the halls of Folk Vanir, which is basically the same as Valhalla. There, I, there's no real distinct differences between the two, except one's led by Freya and one's led by Odin. So basically, Odin, with all the glorious souls of all the warriors past, goes to charge into battle with Fenrir, and then it straight up loses. <laughs> like, no, no real progress at all. Fenrir just eats him and all his army. Which is really not a great fate if you're really counting on that eternal afterlife there. This does open the way for the revenge story, though. Odin is avenged by his son, Vidar, uh, who is able to defeat Fenrir by stabbing him in the throat after stopping his jaw with a special boot, which is apparently made from all the scrap leather ever discarded by shoemakers. <laughs> <laughs> so he's just got, like, I just imagine it's like this big, round, circular thing. ball of leather attached to his leg and just like bam stopped you bitch (laughs) and then stabs them in the throat and so that's kind of the Fenrir saga there's a bunch of other stuff happening too and like there's all these battles but literally all of them end with mutually destructive ties Thor and Jormungand fight kill each other Freyr and Surt who is the leader of the fire giants kill each other there's another wolf that shows up named Garm and him and the god Tyr also go and fight and kill each other so really the end result of this is that you take all of the baddies and you line them up against all the gods and literally they all just kill each other. Uh, which brings us to phase six, the void. So after the dust settles and everyone is dead, what's left of the world is then supposed to sink into the sea and then disappears to become the void. The, the name of the void I just included because I liked it is, ah, oh crap. How, how many syllables is Gnungagap? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Gnungagap. It's... <laughs> I'm gonna just 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 for fun these I'm gonna I'm gonna post just the letters in here. We could have done this for all these pronunciations, but I'm gonna. This is this is it. Ganungagap. Yeah, Ganungagap. Yeah. That came up in my research, and I decided to not say it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, that would be at the creation because uh, the void, the Ganungagap, is then supposed to be like the magical spring, like the kind of like the almost pre big bang pretty big bang material where it's like this is the void but it has some potential to give birth to life and so like i said i kind of pose this challenge to you guys i'm gonna take phase six off the table for this discussion because i'm not really sure how to handle it because it implies that all this shit happens and then everything just falls into a void and ceases to exist i guess if you can get through the first five phases with still some stuff left that exists then nothing will, there'll be enough things not to become just void. So did either of you have, did either of you have any, like, even either following or having any insight on things that you might want to try and do? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. I kind of wanted to pose that so that while you're following along, you'd be like, okay, it's not so bad. Oh, yeah, we can handle that. And then just so many things happen. No, yeah, I've I've heard this try before. I know how it ends. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> ben didn't even try. Ben never even bothered trying. I do think there is probably a through line, like where you could get through this. Because if all these battles are in ties, you don't need mu- you don't need much to tip the scales on some of these god fights. 
And if Fenrir can be defeated by a leather boot, like, there's got to be some options. The trick is, and the problem I ran into... The sun's pretty important, too. <laughs> the, sun's, the sun's pretty important, but it is almost a longer-term problem in the sense that this is all happening in, like, a couple days. Like, if the sun ceased to exist, we'd probably we'd be okay for, like, a week. Would we? <laughs> I feel like we checked this at one point. I think it was probably a yeah, week or so. I, can't, I I actually was thinking if we had an episode where we got rid of the sun, and I'm sure we, in effect, did somewhere, but I couldn't find one where I had, like, just, okay, sun energy calc gone, how long does it take the Earth to freeze? But it's it's gotta be, like, a few days, like, it'll be cold as heck, and it's not a sustainable thing, but you can maybe, or you can maybe plan for it somehow, like, the Earth still generates some heat on the inside. I mean, what's your end game for, like, surviving this? Like, how long do you want to survive? <laughs> Uh, as long as, po- if you, I think if you could make it through all the god fights and go, like, a year, that would be a pretty good success. Like, a small population humans surviving with something. Because, like, I was I was thinking about ways, and, and this is just kind of, like, my, my thoughts going through when I was, was prepping this. I was going through a phase where I was like, okay, cool, like, all this stuff is happening on the land. You can hang out in the ocean and do, like, an underwater, like, sanctuary. Like, build Atlantis to survive, you know, Ragnarok. But then Jormungan rises from the sea, and I'm like, oh, well, we can go to space. But then there's all these wolves out there eating the moon and destroying the stars and all that nonsense. So it's probably not very safe out there either. And, of course, all of the land is a problem. <laughs> so there's, there's, you may be able to chain together an appropriate number of safe havens to get some contingency of people somewhere to survive through this thing. I don't know. I want to believe. <laughs> all the fights end in ties. You just, you just need to tip the scales. So you become a politician. <laughs> I don't think that'll help. <laughs> By tip the scales, I mean, like, shoot a missile at something at a key moment. <laughs> Not convince Fenrir to go home with some good policy measures. Enact harsher leash laws. <laughs> yeah, and, and, or you can't, do any, like, you can't do any inspirational nonsense either, because it literally says that all the warriors fought braver and more valiantly than anyone ever could fight before. So it's, it's not even like a good motivational speech will get you there. <laughs> But yeah, give good credit to the the Norse myths for having like really goddamn thorough apocalypse. <laughs> I did not think it would actually be that difficult to survive it, but it, I don't even see the through line right now. I might explore this further. We'll see. I'm gonna keep this in my in the back of my head for like a a potential project. Is there any like <laughs> any apocalypse or like mythological apocalypse that you think you could survive through? I think they're all pretty apocalyptic. Yeah, they're usually pretty, pretty all in. I mean, isn't the isn't the Christian one just like half the people like half the people are just left and you're just fine, or like a big like Noah's a big flood like you know you can you can survive that apocalypse. You can survive like if it was like just the sun going out like we could probably survive that somehow. There there there'd be a way. Anyway, uh, I have rambled on way long enough at this point, so that means it is time for our would you rather question. Chris, are you ready yes. for Would You Rather? Is this the first one you've ever asked? I think it is, yeah. Uh, I don't think so. I think you I think you may have come up with one or two before, Ben. I, have I? It's been 178 episodes. He's, never, hope so. he's never asked it, though. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, Chris. Anyway, I'm ready. Would you rather be a reverse centaur or a reverse mermaid slash merman? So that means <laughs> you're up the upper <laughs> the upper half of your body is either a fish horse or, or horse. Fish. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's not just the head, it's like the upper like 
Starting at your stomach, I guess. Yeah, like like centaurs and mer people are both like waist up human, waist down animal, right? Like, so when you have arms as a horse, it's definitely not just neck and head. It's got to be you definitely have legs for arms. You definitely have hoof like hoof <laughs> arms. The question is, do you also have in between <laughs> arms? Yeah, the picture. There's a picture on the website we're on <laughs> that we we found it that does show it. But I don't think that's really a reverse centaur. Yeah, that's just like head neck up is just well, it's the like top half of a whole. Yeah, which I guess is how centaurs work. I guess that's actually true, right? So actually, wait, with centaur, hold on, because a centaur is like at the neck you turn into a human torso. So I guess technically, yes, at a human neck you would turn into a horse torso. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. Huh. So, so so you have normal here. arms, and then you have yeah. I'm looking at the image now. Oh yeah, I just dropped from the chat. Yeah, so so at your neck you would have like. Horse shoulder and legs, <laughs> and then a horse horse neck and head. That seems, like, useful, I think. You could... I don't know. You could become a <laughs> boxer, maybe. <laughs> now, I'm going to say the, the, the reverse mermaid they have here, I don't think is accurate. Because that is the same situation where it's changing at the neck, which I don't think is how it would be. It would just be, like, right. an It'd upper half fish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree with that. So you wouldn't have arms as a fish. You would not have arms, but you would have full-size flippers, so you could swim pretty well, probably. Yeah. Do you need to be in the water? Yeah, you got gills. You well, have you gills. have you have gills, but you also, I guess, you wouldn't have human lungs because your your torso is a fish. Right. I guess the anatomy of a mermaid normally doesn't make sense because they wouldn't need to be in the water. Right. So really, the mermaid is really just the the reverse mermaid is really just a fish with a weird tail. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Which may be a better existence than <laughs> the, the the horse human hybrid. God, it's yeah, like too many limbs, none of them doing the right stuff. I think it looks cool. People like horses. I think more people like horses than people like fish. I don't know if people liking horseless horses translates to liking the monstrosity that you become. <laughs> Like I'm not like if you walk up to my house as a horse torso, reverse just reverse I'll just call it reverse centaur because I can't even put it into words what it looks like. If you come to my house as a, a reverse centaur, I'm not gonna be like, oh wow, Sarah loves horses. She's gonna love this. Here, let me get her real quick. <laughs> like, it does not just it doesn't just like it's not like additive like oh wow well I like people and I like horses so I must really like horse people. But you like it more than a fish person, I think. Now I'm looking at more reverse centaurs, and none of them, none of the options are good. I think my gut instinct here is I want to be the reverse mermaid thing because I think disappearing into the sea and just living out my life that way is far preferable to trying to navigate the land as a horse centaur. Like it just, you just can't. I mean, as the reverse mermaid, you'd have to leave. You like when. You'd have to isolate yourself, basically. You wouldn't talk to anyone. Can you talk with a horse head? I don't think you can talk with either of these options. Yeah, I guess you wouldn't. But, like, you wouldn't have relationships with people or, like, see people as a fish thing. At least with the horse, you get to be around people. I think I could content myself with exploring the sea. I don't think you're going to have any relationships as a horse person. I think you could. You'd be famous. Uh, I don't know. I think you're overestimating your ability to... Because it's like you're, you can't communicate. Like you, like you can like you can do sign language. You have hands. 
You can do sign language. He's right. That is true. It's not a bad point. Sign language does help a lot. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm locking it in. Final answer, mermaid. I can't. I can't do it. I'm going to explore the sea. It'll be cool. Find out what's down there. Swim around. You know, maybe I get eaten by a shark at some point. It puts me out of my misery. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna do reverse centaur. I'm going to be a sign language uh, using boxer horse. How are horses vision? I imagine they're better than fish's vision. Okay, you know what? You got me there. I I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna go with horse has twenty thirty vision. Oh, all right, that's not too bad. It's better than me. I'm gonna go with reverse mermaid. Oh. I just I think I kind of agree with Marcus that you you can't just be in human society anymore either way. <laughs> so. <laughs> You may as well just take, like, the new experience. You're much more likely to be accepted in a colony of fish than a colony of horses. Right. I mean, will you be able to communicate with the fish? No, but that's okay. The <laughs> fish don't talk anyway. Just go hang out with some dolphins. You, don't, you can just non-verbally communicate with them. Okay. All right, and that, there we have it. We've all, we've all decided. Which means it is time for the part of the podcast where we ask you, the listener, for stuff. And by stuff, I mean dollars. And by dollars, I mean dollar, singular. You can put that dollar... At our Patreon, www.patreon.com slash absurdhypotheticals. You can become a patron, one of our good Absurd Hypothetic pals, and you get access to the bonus content that we release exclusively for our patrons every single month. So if you are just not getting enough of me, Ben, and Chris's lovely voices in your ear holes, that is the easiest and best way to get more of it. If you have been listening to us being absolute dinguses and that has sparked an inspiration in you and you're like, oh my god, they have to answer this question? Send it to us. We love getting listener questions. Send it to us via email, absurdhypotheticals at gmail.com. If you're on YouTube, you can just leave it right down in the comments below and we will see either of those and we are more than happy to try and incorporate listener questions into the show and you'll be immortalized forever on this podcast, which will obviously be immortalized forever in the Library of Congress coming up once they read my petition. If you're enjoying the show, of course, as everyone always asks you to do, because it is actually helpful for the show, leave a review. It helps the show grow. When people find the show, it'll convince them to actually click through and listen to it. It helps you show up on the algorithms. All the, There's all sorts of good things that the reviews do, and they're quick and easy and free, and make us feel really good about ourselves as long as you write nice things. In any case, after you've done all that, you can join us for our next episode, where we answer the following question. Uh, we're going to be doing another grab bag, actually, uh, and we're going to be doing a grab bag with questions all about children's books. Mm-hmm.